Good morning. It is time to get up with a blockbuster in the NBA as the Nets finally send Kyrie packing. What's it all mean for KD? Woj is here to tell us. Plus, touchdowns in Arizona. The Chiefs and Eagles have landed. Super Bowl week is here. Which team has the edge? We will tell you. Plus, Aaron Rodgers is a champion again. Was he dropping hints about his NFL future while he was on the golf course this weekend? Oh, we got lots to get to on Get Up on this Monday. Welcome in. Right, let's hear it. Super Bowl week. Let's Super go. Week. I'm Dan Graziano in for Greeny. We got Mike T. We got Ninko. We got Canty here to talk football. But we also have Legs here to talk some hoops. Woj here to talk some hoops because the big news out of the NBA is where we are starting today's show. And that big news involves Kyrie Irving, who according to Woj is expected to take his physical today in Dallas, one day after the Nets traded him to the Mavericks. The deal that ends four tumultuous seasons in Brooklyn for the 30-year-old Irving. Here are the full details of the deal. The Mavericks get Irving and Markeith Morris. The Nets get Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, an unprotected 2029 first-round pick and two second-round picks. This deal coming just 48 hours after uh, we learned of Kyrie Irving's trade demand. So it all came together very quickly. No one better to tell us exactly how it came together than Woj. So Woj, tell us, how did it come together? Uh, uh, Dan, the, the Nets and Mavericks really started talking seriously on Sunday, and the deal moved quickly from there. I think Dallas felt perhaps they could have been able to hold back a little bit of draft capital uh, if they had played this out, but they didn't want to lose Kyrie Irving elsewhere. They were motivated to get a deal done, uh, and so were the Nets, who wanted uh, to move quickly after Irving's trade request, and, and that way now Brooklyn uh, can start turning its attention uh, to taking the assets they got in this trade uh, and seeing what else might be available to them ahead of Thursday's deadline to build around Kevin Durant, continue uh, to reshape this roster without Irving. Uh, and now for Brooklyn, you know, they've got three future first round picks, including the one they got in this trade, uh, to get out in the marketplace and continue to try to improve a roster uh, that needs to get better uh, if they're going to contend in this Kevin Durant era. And I do want to get back to Brooklyn and Durant in a second, but before, real quick, the Lakers were involved, right? I mean, this was the team everybody kind of assumed when the trade demand happened that he would end up with the Lakers. We got LeBron out last night tweeting, maybe it's me, maybe a little disappointed that he didn't get the deal done. So how involved were the Lakers and why didn't he end up there? Yeah, There was back and forth on Saturday, I'm told, uh, and Friday, right after the trade demand between the Lakers uh, and Brooklyn. I think it was harder for Brooklyn to do a one-on-one deal with the Lakers without getting a third team involved uh, to get the kind of uh, pieces they got. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, who fit into the Nets lineup right now. And I think for Brooklyn uh, to, to win now and to get those draft picks to shop and move, they had a deal in their minds that made more sense in Dallas uh, than a Laker deal. Uh, that was, again, harder to do one-on-one and get the kind of pieces they want to plug in right now. 
All right, Tim Legler, of course, also with us. Legs, what was your reaction when you heard about this deal? Well, the first thing that, that struck out to me was I, th- I think this was almost felt like a little bit of a panic move on the part of Dallas. Right? They just feel like they don't have enough alongside Luka Doncic. We, we all know that. We know what it looks like when Luka's off the floor, and that's been since he got there, really. He does so much to give him a lead, goes and gets a drink of Gatorade, and an eight-point lead's now a six-point deficit, and he's got to come back in and try to save the day. So they wanted to give him another weapon, particularly when he's off the floor. So that's why Dallas did it. But for me, when I look at what Kyrie Irving has done here now, what he has become, and look, I don't know anything about Kyrie Irving and his interpersonal relationships in his life, so let's separate the two between a basketball player and a human being. Because I don't know, you know how he interacts with the people in his life, but as a basketball player, he's a narcissist. And the problem with that is when you're not accountable or have no obligation to anyone else other than yourself, it's very difficult to win in team sports. And that's how I view Kyrie Irving. And now it's just another stop along this journey. Is he going to be bought in and engaged? I'm sure he's going to look that way initially. How long does it last? Is he even happy watching Luka Doncic play the way he plays and dominate the basketball to the extent that he does? All that remains to be seen. But if I'm Dallas, I wouldn't have touched this. I I would not have traded for Kyrie Irving. I think they gave up a, a lot to get him. Yeah. And I think Brooklyn, look, when Kevin Durant comes back, it's his team. He's got a lot of guys around him now that look like a basketball team. And I agree with Woj. Like they probably still need more to win the East. But there's no question in my mind, you get back Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith and then going forward in the future around Kevin Durant, that's good enough, I think, to win around probably and then give somebody fits in the second round, one of those top three teams. Yeah, and to Woj's point, the assets they get back, maybe it helps them make another deal here in the next couple of days. But Woj, I mean, like, if you're, what, what is this – where does this leave Durant, who, who, who backed Kyrie, who, st- who stood by him, came over with him in free agency? Like, where does this leave Kevin Durant? I mean, is, is it possible he asked for a trade last summer? Could that happen again? Uh, Dan, listen, it, it, it can't be ruled out. And that's certainly why Brooklyn uh, is trying to talk through all these decisions with Kevin Durant in terms of the kind of players that they would pursue uh, in trades, what fits uh, but, you know, Brooklyn has an uphill battle here between now and Thursday's trade deadline. This is not a buyer's market. There are, there are uh, any number of contenders, just like Brooklyn, who want to improve. There aren't a lot of sellers, and the asking price for those sellers and the players they have is really steep. And so this is a challenge for Sean Marks uh, and the Nets, uh, but, you know, they've got to get out here in the next three or four days until that Thursday 3 p.m. trade trade deadline and exhaust every possibility uh, around Kevin Durant. I think when you have a player like Durant, it's true in Brooklyn, it's true elsewhere, the clock is always ticking on you uh, with a player of that caliber uh, to put them in a position to win championships, and that's what's happening with the Nets again right now. Legs, how are you viewing this if you're Durant? You want out or you want to try and make it work without Kyrie? Well, I think right now he's probably trying to process all this. There has to be some part of him that's a little bit relieved of just tired of dealing with <laughs> this, right? This has been hanging over their head since the day they put all this together. It's just been one thing after another. At least now, finally, he sort of knows who's around him and he can go forward. And one thing about Kevin Durant, look, when he's, when he's hurt, it's one thing. When Kevin Durant is healthy, there is no question but he wants to do every single night. He wants to play. He wants to play a ton of minutes. He wants to be the man and he wants to 
win. There is no question about it. So I think now he can take this group and he can, he can get the most out of what they have. Who knows what his mindset is long term. I think first, let's get him back on the court. Let him see what's around him and what this looks like post Kyrie Irving when it's really just Kevin Durant's team. Let's see what he has here. He might like it a little bit more than people think right now. But obviously, Brooklyn's going to continue to go out there and search and try to find additional talent. Lots more on this story coming in the next couple days. Lots more coming on this show. Uh, but we do want to switch now to the NFL because it's Super Bowl week. And the Chiefs and Eagles arrived in Arizona yesterday. The week of events will begin in earnest tonight with Super Bowl opening night. Jalen Hurts, quarterback of the Eagles, was asked about his style of play, which has been the subject of much conversation. Listen to what he had to say. I think beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I, I, it's hard for me to compare myself to any other player because I know I'm, I'm who I am. Um, I play the game in a very unique way. For me personally, being able to um, be consistent in the run game, be consistent in the passing game, and um, ultimately mentally know uh, what my plan is and knowing what I want to do based off of my preparation. And I think that's the beautiful part about all of this is everybody has an opinion about something, but everybody in their opinions don't deposit at the bank. All right. Look, it's, so it's we're gonna, clear, he's going to be making a lot of deposits. At he's going to be making. <laughs> there are some no big doubt about deposits uh, in the future there for Jalen Hurts and his bank account. But he has a game this week to focus on. So let's take a look at the Eagles. Uh, what is one thing specifically you're looking for from Philadelphia in this game? Well, I, I just want to see offensively is Jalen Hurts back to the previous Jalen Hurts that we saw before if, after his injury. Um, statistically. He's down 25% in every category and 40% in the running game, which at the end of the day, running the football and that dynamic of a mobile quarterback is what creates all the problems for a defense. Defense is coming into a matchup where you don't know where the quarterback is going to be. It's really, really hard to pin your, pin your ears back and blitz or, or get up the field as a defensive end if that quarterback can dip in, dip out, run for first down. So I want to see Jalen Hurts' health. How is this offense looking? How do they attack? Because we know their offensive line is, is probably the biggest key to this matchup, too. They're very physical, and they set the tone. Hurts, remember playing with that uh, right shoulder injury. Yeah. Missed a couple of games uh, late in the season, but has been back, obviously, for the playoffs. Mike T., what are you looking for from the Eagles' end? I want to see Jalen Hurts deal with some adversity. To their credit, on both sides of the ball, they have been so dominant. How about this? He has thrown the ball 509 times this season, and yet only 22 times, guys, He's actually had to throw the ball in the second half when they didn't have the lead. So maybe Kansas City can make this game competitive because offensively, I do think Kansas City will move the ball against Philadelphia. And this is the one question that Jalen Hurts hasn't had an answer to their credit, which is, hey, you're down 7, 14 points, second half. You got to get the ball down the field consistently. They have a great offensive line. He's been well protected. They've been able to stay balanced, as Nico alluded to. But that's the one aspect of the, his game we have to give a grade of incomplete. It's really remarkable to see that it's only 22 times this season. Mm. That speaks to their dominance. They have been a dominant team this year, right at the top of the NFC uh, the whole way through. But, of course, we've thought for most of the year the AFC was the stronger conference. So, obviously, this is what the Super Bowl is for, to tell us which, which no champion is better. What are you looking for on the Eagles? Uh, what I'm looking for is can the Eagles' pass rush hit Pat Mahomes without blitzing? That's going to be mm. – critical for Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator, and that Philly defense in order to have success. 
Since Pat Mahomes became the full-time starter in 2018, he's got the highest QBR and the most passing touchdowns against the Blitz in the National Football League. So that ain't your path to victory if you're the Philadelphia Eagles defense. You got to be able to get home with a four-man rush. Now, good for them. They have a pretty damn good four-man yeah, rush. I mean, they've got 60 sacks this year off of a four-man rush and 186 times they've contacted the quarterback with a four-man rush. Both the most since they started tracking those stats. And so, to me, it's going to be about that Philadelphia Eagles defensive line being able to put pressure on Pat Mahomes. We've seen Mahomes be a different quarterback when he's contacted. Since 2020, when Pat Mahomes is contacted more than 10 times, he's 9-7. and seven. He's got a 62% completion percentage, and his touchdown-to-interception ratio gets cut in half. Now, for contrast, during that same span – He's 46 and 11 right. as a starter. So right. pretty damn good. But you bad. give yourself a chance when you hit Pat Mahomes. They got to try to do what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did in Super Bowl 55. Hit Pat Mahomes early and often, it becomes a different offense. Spoken like a true defense alignment. Well, yeah, I got this <laughs> ring on my finger from a four-man pass. Uh, I, I, I can see you didn't have to hold it up, Chris. I'm just hey, I got to put it in there. I got this hallway. ring on my finger from a four-man pass. Why are we bringing up bad memories, okay? That's not oh, a bad memory yeah. for me. That was a ring. So you, you got enough rings, okay? Just be easy. You got plenty of rings. Should have had one more. That was the ring that one of the rings that Ninko wanted, and Chris stole it from him. Uh, lots, lots more, excuse me, on the Super Bowl. As we move along, we come back, though, the Cowboys may Make a big move to try and help quarterback Dak Prescott. Will it actually work? One of our analysts has his doubts, and we will talk about that. Plus, is Aaron Rodgers willing to take a gamble on his future? Was he dropping hints of a reunion with one of his favorite targets? We'll discuss that when we come back on Get Up. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. 
For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com deals. That's dell.com deals. Back on Get Up. Yesterday was the Pro Bowl. The NFL's biggest stars gathering in Las Vegas for a flag football game. This is the new Pro Bowl format. The uh, Manning brothers are coaching the teams, looking very serious, but uh, the game was not. This is the NFC. Geno Smith throwing to CeeDee Lamb for a touchdown. Chris Canty. That's a nice pitching catch with CeeDee Lamb showing off the footwork. Almost as impressive as him snatching the cell phone during drafting. All right, here's one. Here's Tyler Huntley uh, throwing to Jalen Waddle, who flips it to teammate Tyreek Hill, uh, who wishes he hadn't. Because look, what's Jalen Ramsey doing? Come on, they, they took the pads off for a reason. What are we doing here? Come on. Jalen Ramsey can't help no himself. No contact. Right? Can't help himself. Come on. All right. Let's so go. now we have. Uh, what are we doing here? Oh, Tyreek Hill's getting carried off the field. Now you got Trevor Lawrence throwing it back to Stephon Diggs, throwing it downfield. Mm. He's going to get intercepted by his brother. Uh-oh, a little digs on digs. Digs on digs. Stephon not giving up on the play. He does not want his brother to score. He's going to force him out of bounds just short. Um, the NFC won the, the game. I don't know that anybody really cared who won the game. Uh, here's uh, Devontae Adams, Raiders wide receiver, talking about, uh, what? no. All right, he's not. We'll talk about Devontae Adams later. Call that a tease. We're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, who have named Brian Schottenheimer their new offensive coordinator. Agreed to part ways with Kellen Moore last week, and Jerry Jones has said Coach Mike McCarthy will be calling the plays next season. Cowboys hoping to help Dak Prescott cut down on the interceptions. He had 17 of them this year. Mm. Tied for the league mm. lead so far, despite missing him missing five games. He threw at least one pick in 11 of his 14 games. Dak's previous career high for interceptions was 13. That was back in his second uh, NFL season. So, the question is, look, we've heard that Mike McCarthy's going to run the offense, right? They promoted Brian Schottenheimer from another position on the staff. Is this what Dak Prescott needs to help him cut down on those picks? I I don't know. I I don't see it that way. I I look at the coaching staff right now, and I say that there's a reason why the Cowboys had to promote from within to fill their offensive coordinator vacancy. Nobody around the National Football League wanted to touch this job because your head coach is going into 2023 on the hot seat. And so from that standpoint, looking at the staff as constituted versus what they were two weeks ago, you can't sell me that the Dallas Cowboys have better coaching around Dak Prescott. And that's the issue that I have. Now, conversely, Kellen Moore, when he got relieved of his responsibilities, he had a job in less than 24 hours. That tells me the rest of the National Football League didn't look at Kellen Moore as if he was the problem with the Dallas Cowboys offense or the problem with Dak Prescott. So it's a tough sell when it comes to Brian Schottenheimer being the end-all, be-all, the elixir that's supposed to get Dak Prescott fixed going into 2023. Yeah, Chris, I see it totally differently. The job here is we got to fix Dak Prescott's interception as that graphic shown. And for context, the rest of the NFL threw 58% of their interceptions when they were behind, Mm. which is understandable. So that's what needs to be fixed. Brian Schoenheimer, working with him at the New York Jets, helped Mark Sanchez lower his interceptions. And his first two years in Seattle with Russell Wilson, the only two quarterbacks that threw less interceptions 
where Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. So if Brian Schottenheimer could do one thing, which is help to lower Dak Prescott's interception, that will make a material difference in the performance of this team. And I don't think it's a hire of convenience. Uh -huh. I think it's a hire of meritocracy. And just because Kellen Moore got hired, that doesn't mean it's effective. we got to give that a grade of incomplete. Let's see how good this Charger offense is in the fall before we say just because he got hired, it was a good – Well, well, here's the thing I will push back on. Kellen Moore, when he's had Dak Prescott fully healthy, had the six-ranked scoring offense, the number one-ranked scoring offense, and the number four-ranked scoring offense. So it's not as if Kellen Moore, being the play caller, hasn't been successful in terms of Dallas and Dak being able to produce at a really high level. And the other thing I'll push back on with Brian Schott, Nico, tell me the last time Brian Schottenheimer developed the quarterback. <laughs> Mark Sanchez, we really going to use that as an example? I don't want to hurt any Bra feelings here. Sam Bradford, we going to use that as an example? How about the two years he was with, with Andrew Luck? Didn't make the playoff in either, either one of those seasons. And most recently before Dallas, he was in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence his rookie year with Urban Meyer. That was an abject failure. So I can't see Brian Schottenheimer being the guy to fix Dak Prescott. I think the hardest thing here is going to be McCarthy and, and trying to cross every T and dot every I when we have seen issues with this football team and having organizational success with timeouts, clock management, mm -hmm. game management. And when you're trying to call the plays and then you have all your assistants in your ear telling you, you know, who just went down and who's the next guy up and where do you want this and where do you want that? And he's also trying to run the play sheets like that could be a little bit more devastating to them having more issues when it comes to clock management and stuff that we glaringly obvious, the penalty issue, like they have been undisciplined, an undisciplined yep. football team. And how do you become more disciplined? I don't think your head coach carrying more responsibilities with calling the plays and being a guy that's going to be more influential on the quarterback play is going to have success. I, I think that this probably, you know, them shuffling the deck here and, and having assistants gone and bringing new guys in, I don't think that makes this team a Super Bowl contending team. That was my thought. It was like McCarthy's going to run the offense anyway. But to Ninko's point about his other responsibilities, you say that the Brian Schottenheimer uh, hire it means more than that, that he'll have more responsibility than just a ceremonial title. Uh, absolutely, Dan. Like, my experience is when a head coach is a play caller on one side of the ball, they also have those other responsibilities dealing with the media, being the CEO of the team. So Brian Schottenheimer is going to be intimately involved with Dak Prescott. Like, we will see his impact, good or bad, because he will be spending the most time with Dak Prescott. Make no mistake about it. Even though Coach McCarthy is going to be the play caller, I've seen this countless times in my career. And again, my experience, Chris, I've just seen Brian do a great job emphasizing turnovers. His dad was a legendary coach. Marty Schottenheimer stood for one thing, like defense yes. and not turn the ball yes. over. And if they could change that one thing, I really think they can win the division because the gap between them and Philadelphia isn't that much. I, I think the one issue that they do need to fix is their offensive line because they haven't been able to protect well. Dak. And I don't care what you are as far as a quarterback. If you don't have protection in front of you, you've seen Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl without protection. What was he? Wasn't very good. No. And, and so if you're a quarterback and you don't have those pieces in place to protect you, then that's when you're having the turnovers because you're rushing through your progression. And, and Nico, this is maybe sneaky big news, but they also added Mike Solari as their new offensive yes. line coach, who's an outstanding offensive line coach. I expect that line to play better next year. And I think they have shown in the past, obviously, they're willing to devote resources to that line to keep it strong. Maybe time to do a little uh, refresh there. Obviously, lots more on that. Uh, to come, but I wanted to, to show you guys some eye candy from the weekend. This is college basketball. This is IUPUI's Vincent Brady. Um, where is he? There, there he is. He's got the ball now. Oh. Throw it oh, oh, don't do it! Don't do it! 
can do this. No, I am I cannot. No, I, I can't do that. Rinko, you can? I can't do that. You I can't do that? I can't oh. tell you what IUPUI stands for, but <laughs> I can tell you this. Number 11 regrets jumping, and I can't give him credit oh. for challenging at the rim really? when you get dunked on like that. You're supposed it's just to move out of the way? I, no, you move tackle out of the way. You tackle Don't get put on a poster. You tackle him. That's you tackle him? Yeah. 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 The only thing I can Wrong do is sport. I can jump on the sideline like I was on the bench with those other guys. Well, we all have yeah. to know. If I, if I dunked on a guy like that, I'm getting a technical foul because I'm taunting him. I'm doing all the things, standing over him. I yeah. need a trampoline to do that. We all, <laughs> we all have to know our own strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, Vincent Brady can do things some of us cannot do. Coming up, the KD and Kyrie partnership is over in Brooklyn. Kyrie is gone. Should Durant want out too? Jay Williams joins the discussion when we come back. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. In 2016, Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel during the national anthem in peaceful protest of police brutality and racial injustice. Although he hasn't played in the NFL since that season, Kaepernick has become a leading civil rights activist, raising awareness and millions of dollars for underserved communities across the country. Back with you on Get Up, and the big story of the morning is the Kyrie Irving blockbuster trade, the latest chapter in a, uh, we'll call it a complex career. Irving spent his first six seasons with the Cavaliers. Those six seasons included three straight finals appearances and a title, but eventually he asked out, reportedly not wanting to play with LeBron James anymore. So he's traded to the Celtics, and things seem to be going well there. After his first season in Boston, he announced intentions to re-sign, but things went south, as they tend to do, and he was gone the following year. 
His next stop was Brooklyn, where he teamed up with Kevin Durant, which was going to be fantastic. But uh, Kyrie spent nearly as much time off the court as he did on it, and he requested a trade on Friday, and then Sunday he got his wish. That's an extremely condensed uh, summary. (laughs) 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 We could do a whole show on just the chronology uh, of Kyrie's career. And no one knows that better than Nick Friedel, who covers uh, Kyrie and the Nets. (laughs) How was your weekend? Pretty good. Every day something else is possible. So I what, just can't believe we're actually here Right. Now. So what do you make of where it all landed for Nets and Kyrie? When you get into business with Kyrie Irving, Dan, you know two things. One, he's going to be incredible when he does play. Two, the drama is always there. You're always waiting for the next shoe to drop. And that has been the case in every stop. It will be the case in the next stop in Dallas at some point and beyond that. But for everything that he has accomplished on the floor, that is part of his legacy, is that you are always going to be dealing with something that is going to take everybody's attention off of how great of a player he is. So he and Durant were a package deal. Durant stood by him through some of the foolishness that went on. Like, what what does Kevin Durant think of this, and and how how important is that for what happens next with the Nets? We don't know for sure because we haven't heard from Kevin. But if we've learned everything that we need to know about the Nets in this whole period, there is nothing that Kevin doesn't know. Right. Kevin mm-hmm. is at the center of everything this organization wants to do. He's at, at the center of everything they want to do moving forward. Frankly, that's why they made the decision to move Kyrie when they did, because it allows them a few days here to say, hey, Kevin, what else do you want? The issue to me here, guys, and it's part of this conversation with Kevin Kyrie, what do the Nets think they're going to be able to do and moving Ben Simmons' contract, because that is a huge part of anything that they want to do moving forward. But as far as Kevin goes, we wait to hear from him, and he'll set the tone for what happens next. That is obviously a very important reaction that we need to get, Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant. But Jay Williams, what was your reaction when you heard about this trade? Well, my my sources told me that the reason why this whole thing has blown up the way it has is uh, Kyrie's camp has been looking for an extension. So just to give people some insight on this, that when he finally got the extension offer, uh, when is that, that's a three-year extension worth 140 plus million dollars. When the third year of your deal is stipulated upon your team winning a championship for you to get your money, um, that's something in which they found extremely insulting and erroneous, and they didn't counter. They didn't counter at all. So for me, you know, going back to this thing, when the extension was first offered during the pandemic, if it's a, you know, we'll give you the extension if you take the COVID shot. And he chose not to. He walked away from the money at that time. So when you see this relationship between Joe Sy and Kyrie Irving, which this comes down to, two alphas hitting heads, it just took its course. And I thought they actually got a lot in return for Kyrie Irving. You're never going to get the value in return of the assets. You're never going to get that. Uh, the thing for Brooklyn right now is, can you do enough to keep KD there long term? KD's going to play this year, but if you're Kevin Durant, you're sitting there saying, Sean Marks, your time is up. Like, wh- what are you doing to help me win a championship? If we get to the end of this year and we're nowhere closer, if I don't feel like we're moving in the right direction, uh, I'm not going to make it public. I'm going to come to you and say, it's time for you to talk about me being moved somewhere else. Legs? Yeah, I completely agree with that. First of all, I, I get where Brooklyn's coming from with Kyrie. Yeah. How can you not? have a little bit of buyer beware attitude with Kyrie Irving when you're talking about giving him a boatload of money with the time that he has missed. So there's so many different layers to this. There's KD, there's Kyrie, individual perspectives. Then there's the teams that you have to look at as well. So first and foremost, let's look at Brooklyn. Going forward, I agree. They got a lot back. 
problem is it's not going to be good enough to contend with Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. This is a team that could probably win a first-round series and then lose to one of those teams in a best-of-seven in the second round as currently constructed. That's not what they brought this group together with in the first place. That's certainly not why you have Kevin Durant in your hands. For Dallas, I look at them and say, okay, you addressed the problem when Luka Doncic is off the floor. No question. Now you've got another guy that can go get bucket after bucket while Luka's over there taking a break. Playing together? I don't get it at all, and I don't understand why Luka would really want to play with a guy like Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving's going to be dissatisfied of watching the way Luka Doncic plays. They're going to be horrific defensively. When they're both out there on the floor together, they're going to be so porous on the perimeter. That doesn't translate to winning. I think this is a team that's probably going to get knocked out in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs, and you gave up an awful lot to get him, and you don't know what his mindset's going to be when the season ends, what's his next destination when he starts getting his eyes set. Oh, it's that team out west. It's that Laker team that Josiah didn't want to make the trade for him to go to Lakers in the first place, which I wouldn't do either as an owner. But, Nick, I do want to keep it a buck here. Here's interesting. Like, that stipulation I talked about contractually, have you ever heard of a stipulation like that before? about you getting part of your money based upon winning an NBA championship, it's unprecedented to me, which makes me understand, like, I, like the, the Nets wanted to trade them this whole time, but it was just a matter of when is the timing right? And I think Kyrie, at the end of the day, was like, I'm going to make a statement right now, just trade me or else. I mean, I, I've yeah. never heard of anything like that. But what I would tell you, Jay, is, and this is where the Nets finally got fed up, all Kyrie did in the last few weeks, especially without KD on the floor, was say, I like the way we're going. We're building a family here. We're getting close to the championship contention. And then he turns around and says, I'm out. So no matter which side you're on, whether he should have just stayed the course and waited to the end of the year. Or negotiated. Or negotiated in between. But, but my, if you negotiate that, Nick, doesn't, don't you automatically come to the table with uh, – you don't have leverage in it. If, if you start off the conversation by saying, okay – the third year of your deal stipulated upon winning a championship. Like, where do you, how do you really counter that? But where the hardest think? part is that Kyrie lost the leverage long before this. Agreed. He thought when he came back off the suspension and this team really played well and he had come into the leadership role without Kevin Durant in the locker room after he got injured with that knee injury, he thought the Nets were just going to say, hey, Kyrie, you're the man. Here's all the money. <laughs> and the Nets were never going to say that, that based on what had occurred. So this, this was before. inevitable anyway. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, he duped me. Because I went on SVP last week and said, this is the best stretch he's had as a net. He looks engaged. He looks locked in. He looks like he's put all this stuff to, sort of to the side to focus on, you know, being the best Kyrie that he can right now, waiting for KD to come back. I thought this team had a legitimate shot to play in the NBA Finals the way that Kyrie Irving looked. And now here we are one week later, and he's got a new uniform on. That's, that's I mean, the that's issue. how quickly it turned. Like, all that stuff was true, and yet the Nets still never got to the point where they felt like they could trust him enough to sign him long-term, right? I mean, that, that's what it came down to. I want to – we talked about Durant a little bit earlier. Like, it, it, we haven't heard from him. We don't know how he's reacting. We don't know what he will want. Realistically, are we in a, a world where sometime between now and Thursday's trade deadline, we could be talking about a potential Kevin Durant trade? I think that would be too fast for it all to happen. What I feel like is we're all going to be sitting here again around the end of June, looking at each other going, yeah. God, this feels like Groundhog Day. Because <laughs> Kevin's going to be 35 in September. He wants to win. He felt like, to Legs' point, before he got hurt, they won 18 of 20. He felt like this team had enough if they made a move or two. Now it's gone. Well, they made this, one. Yeah, they made one. <laughs> this team was built, though, to win titles. They were built to win titles, and it's not going to happen 
the way they're currently constructed moving forward. Legs, I'm going to ask you a question because we're yeah. fellow hoopers here at the table. Yeah. And if you're Kevin Durant, you go through this year, right, you see the moves made. I don't know what kind of trade value you're going to get for Ben Simmons because I think his stock is at all-time low. People are questioning whether – you talk about durability, whether the guy's going to play. You worry about that with Ben. You've gone from a team with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving now to a team with Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Picks. If you're KD, are you going to trust the last couple of years of your career to Sean Marks with some of the moves he makes? No, there's no question. I mean, it's, to me, it's a matter of time when Kevin Durant is no longer yes. in that. And I agree with you. You know, trading Kyrie is one thing to do that, flip that in 24 hours. Kevin Durant's a whole different ball game when you talk about what you're trying to get in return. So that's not, I don't think it's going to happen before the deadline. Um, so, no, Kevin Durant's got to be pretty dissatisfied. Part of him might be relieved about, you know, at least this drama's over with. And now he can kind of look at the landscape of what this organization is going to look like going forward. And he's pretty certain what it's going to look like right now. And there's no question he's going to probably come to the conclusion that this isn't going to give me a chance to win here. To your point, both your points about Ben Simmons. Man, oh man, is this guy going to be exponentially more exposed now without the additional scoring punch of Kyrie Irving, right, to distract from what Ben Simmons is reluctant to do, afraid to do, doesn't want to do, and now you take all that scoring off the team and Ben Simmons is out there? So that, that's a whole nother situation they've got to deal with. He's not even on the floor in the fourth quarters right now. I'd say this is a hugely important point, Legs. The, the Nets always trusted, their teammates trusted Kevin Durant and Kyrie because they put in the work. The question about Ben Simmons is, is he going to put in the work mm. to get out of the funk that he's been in for the last couple of years, but especially in Brooklyn? Moving forward, there is question internally, how bad does this guy want it? And for all the drama that had gone on with Kyrie, his teammates, most of them, still loved him. They love Kevin Durant. They know he's in there all the time. The same can't be said right now for Ben Simmons. And if I'm, if I'm the Phoenix Suns, uh, hello? Hello? Please? <laughs> Like, we're not sure about DeAndre Ayton long-term. Jay Crowder hasn't played throughout the entire course of the season. We're utilizing him as a trade asset. CP3 seems like he's on his last couple of years left in the league. Like, are the Phoenix Suns one of those teams when the season's over, if KD isn't happy, to come with all the assets in order to get a Kevin Durant? As always, there is plenty of fallout from uh, anything Kyrie Irving does, and we will continue to track that uh, in the coming days, weeks, months, years. Uh, but when we come back on Get Up, Aaron Rodgers is a champion again. Was he dropping hints about his NFL future while he was winning on the golf course this week at a Pebble Beach? We'll tell you. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
We are back on Get Up, and it's time for some off-season quarterback bold predictions. Nico, give me a bold prediction on Derek Carr. I think he's going to be a New Orleans Saint. You look at the Saints, they've been searching for a quarterback. They haven't had one since Drew Brees, and they're going to need a fresh new start here at that position. So you go out, you get Derek Carr, the talented quarterback. Didn't work out with the Vegas Raiders. He'll move on. Chris Canty, how about Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson to the Atlanta Falcons. Whoa, if the Ravens are going to deal him, it's going to be out of the conference. That general manager was in on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Didn't work out for him. I think they look to take another big swing at a star quarterback, especially with their head coach, Arthur Smith, going into a year where he's probably going to be on the hot seat. That would be one former MVP on the move. Mike Tannenbaum, how about Aaron Rodgers? Las Vegas Raiders. They were in nine one-score games that they lost. And by the way, some teammate named Devontae Adams happens to be in Las Vegas as well. It's the perfect fit. It's a quarterback that needs a new team. It's a team that needs a quarterback to get him over the hump in a very competitive AFC West. This is an ideal fit from both sides. Well, you know, Mike, it's funny you should say that because speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he and Ben Silverman held on for a one-shot victory Sunday in the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And afterwards... Rodgers was asked about his football future and the possibility that he could link back up with Devontae Adams in Vegas. Listen. A lot of people yelling different teams they want me to come to next year, um, which has been fun because uh, we got a little uh, inside bet going about which team's going to have the most fans, but uh, it's been fun. I'm just going to say that the uh, predominant uh, team that we hear as we're walking is Raiders. A lot, of, a lot of Raider fans are encouraging me. A lot of Devontae misses you comments. So, fortunately, the Pro Bowl was going on in Las Vegas. Devontae Adams was there, and he spoke with Cameron Wolf uh, of NFL Network, who asked him about his former quarterback. Here's what Devontae said. Have you started recruiting Aaron Rodgers to be the new Raiders uh, quarterback? Duh. <laughs> why, why, would, why would anybody not do that? I mean, 100%. That's my guy, obviously, and wishful thinking, but we'll see what happens. What's your best recruiting pitch? Uh, that I'm here. <laughs> All righty then. That is a good one, though, because uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams had a great deal of success together yeah, you in probably, Green Bay. you probably missed that guy being out there on, at like the receiver spot. might have been yeah. able to help him might this have missed him a little And bit the inverse is probably true, too. Probably. Uh, are, is the Raiders, is that the best fit for Rodgers? It wouldn't be the worst fit, but, I mean, think about it. If he goes to the AFC West, he's going to be the third-best quarterback in that division at best, and he's going to have the third-best head coach in that division at best. So it's not necessarily the path that you're looking for in order to compete for a Super Bowl. There's a lot of resistance in that respective division. But overall, when you look at the situation, this is going to be dictated by the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers would be best served if he works with the organization in order to find a trade partner that will be amenable to giving the Packers max compensation. Because we all know Aaron Rodgers ain't walking away from $60 million this offseason. He's going to play football next year. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. The best thing he can do for his football future is work in, hand, in tandem with the Green Bay Packers to get where he wants to go. So, Chris, it's interesting. I was at the Jets when we traded for Brett Favre. Very similar situation where the Green Bay Packers wanted him to go to the AFC and not to the NFC because initially Brett wanted to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of his familiarity with then head coach John Gruden. It actually worked out pretty well for us. We got a little bit short there due to a shoulder injury, but beyond that, it actually the trade worked out well for us. With that being said, that's why I think Vegas makes a lot of sense from a Packers standpoint, Chris, 
because it's obviously in a different conference as well. So to me, this could be a win-win from a standpoint that Rodgers gets to go back to Vegas, gets to go to Vegas where they had nine one-score losses. In those games, Derek Carr threw seven second-half interceptions. So this team is close. I understand it's Andy Reid and Sean Payne, but if you're Aaron Rodgers and you believe in yourself, maybe you're the one piece that's outcome determinative to get this very talented offense over the hump. What do you think, Nico? I think the, the hard part about if you're Aaron Rodgers, the last time that you had won a Super Bowl, you had a top-five defense. So you want to pick a team that, number one, they have to have an offensive line. You need protection. Number two, you want a defense that gives you more opportunities. You want somebody that can give you as many touches as possible. And you look at the, the, the Vegas Raiders, they haven't been in the top half of the league since mm. 2002 on mm. defense. I'm talking take the league, cut it in half. They haven't been in the top half since 2002. It's a long, long time. Yeah, it is. So, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you have to take in a lot of different variables here. And number one, if your defense can't get off the field, it puts a lot of stress on the offense. Yeah, a lot has to happen before we can be talking about really what team, right? I mean, he has to decide whether he wants to play at all, right? He's still holding back on that decision. And then the Packers, like, what, what's involved in that deal if yeah. they do decide to trade him? And, and, Dan, ironically, I'll go back to the Brett Favre situation with us, which is we made that trade in August. So, in theory, you want to get this trade done as soon as possible because if you're the Raiders or, let's say, the Jets, you don't want to wait around post-June 1st to know if you have a quarterback. So, you need to have alternative plans. But it is a three-way transaction. He has to say that he wants to play. He has to say that he wants to be traded. And then Green Bay and either, let's say, the Jets or Vegas, they have to come up with compensation, which I think you could work out. We had, in our trade with the Packers at the time, conditions. It was a third-round pick that could go up based on play time and performance. And then, obviously, we know that the contract's roughly $58 million, and the team may convert part of that to sign bonus. So it is a three-team transaction. But as you know, Dan, it would be better for Green Bay to do it after June 1st, and that's where the team receiving Aaron Rodgers could be in a little bit of a bind because I don't think they're going to want to wait that long. To be specific, it's if they trade him before June 1st, it's about a $40 million dead money cap hit for this year, and if they wait till after, it's about $16 million. So that could make a difference. I mean, if you're the, if you're the Raiders or the Jets or any of these teams, like, is, is it worth waiting till after June 1st? Well, it, it's worth it if you're the Jets. I mean, what else are you going to be doing at quarterback? Mike White and Zach Wilson? Oh, I mean, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the direction that you want to go. I think they're looking at this as a win-now opportunity with the skill position core they have on offense, their offensive line returning healthy, and then a championship-caliber defense. Aaron Rodgers being inserted in the mix could lead the Jets not only to the postseason, but a team that could potentially go on a deep postseason run. But it is absolutely worth the wait because I think they'll have a hard time being able to get a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. You have to have a quarterback you could go win with. We were fortunate at the time. We had Chad Pennington. He was a really good quarterback. We just felt like we couldn't beat you guys and Tom Brady consistently with Chad Pennington. That's why we went after Brett Favre. We saw it as an unexpected opportunity. I think if it's Vegas or the Jets, they're going to have to say, hey, we could go win with Mike White, Jaron Stidham, whoever it may be. And then if Aaron Rodgers falls to us, it's an unexpected opportunity. Yeah, I think it would have to be a situation where you can continue through the offseason with somebody, like you said, that you have trust in that can go out there and help you win football games, but you don't go through the offseason and in the draft thinking this is the guy we're going to have to have for this season to be successful. You go through it as it is, and if you get them, great. It's just it's the gravy, right? But if you don't, you can still move forward with your team. Yeah, huge. That's a great point, but there are so many teams out there that don't have that answer right now, or at least don't feel like they yeah. do. It may be that, that it needs to move quicker than that. But, but Dan, that's where Real this quick. dynamic's a little interesting, because Aaron Rodgers could say, I'm not going to Carolina, I'm not right. going to Houston. 
Yeah, he could definitely hold it up. Lot, lots of layers, again, as usual, to the Aaron Rodgers situation. Mm. Feels like we're talking about Kyrie Irving in the last slide. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, speaking of our, our crossover, here's our next ACC-SEC Super Tuesday doubleheader. It's at 7 Eastern. North Carolina visits Wake Forest, and Kentucky hosts Arkansas. Should be a great night of hoops tomorrow on ESPN and the app. Coming up, the end of an error in Brooklyn. See what I did there? What does Kyrie Irving's departure mean for Kevin Durant? Woj will be here with the latest when we come back. Let's get up. <laughs> 